Hello, and welcome to HFG's new podcast, Actual Talk. I am Will Gallimore, and each episode we will have a different guest from the insurance industry talking about their career and giving their market insight. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Our guest today is Thomas Hamilton, uh, University of Warwick, mathematics degree, started his career in pensions before moving to AXA XL uh, in the capital space. And then joining the very exciting RPC Taiki uh, in 2019, where we're in big growth mode and now running his own consultancy. Uh, so welcome, Tom. Nice to have you here. Thank you, Will. I'm sure you tell us all what and how do you say your consultancy name? Uh, so it's lambdadata.tdata. Um, I won't go into technical details on the web. If you check the website out, there's some explanation as to what it really means. Uh, but basically, it's like a computer science play. And... The T secretly stands for Tom, so it's 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 like it's a function that takes data and applies Tom to it. But oh, we, we really can cut cool the Tom that. really out of there. Yeah, that's um, cool. Yeah. So, so let's start in the early days. When when did you realise that you might be quite analytical, mathematical? Was there a defining moment at school where you were suddenly brighter than the teacher? Uh, so I think in in sixth form, uh, there's a website called the Student Room. I don't know if you're aware of it. It's like a forum for um, uh, all things studenty. Uh, and they've got loads of different for, uh, sub forums on there. And one of them is the maths forum there. It's called F38. It's the, the 38th forum. And um, there's just a bunch of guys on there. It's all super competitive. And you're just posting problems and solving problems. And it was super fun. And I just got really into that. I got hooked on that kind of like obsessively. And then after doing that, I became significantly better than everybody else in my year. And then I was like, oh, do maths. This is lovely. Um, and then I uh, applied to Cambridge, didn't get in, but ended up Warwick, which I was very happy with. Um, and all through, like, up to third year, I was like, going to do a PhD, this is my life now. And then I was in third year, and I was seeing all these other PhD friends of mine, and they'd do their PhDs, and then they'd just get the same jobs that I was applying for, I would be applying for in fourth year or whatever. So I was like, okay, let's cut this out. Also, obviously, big fish, small pond or whatever. At university, I was not the brightest there. Like, I was still pretty good, but... I had friends that were like super smart, uh, absolutely killing it. And I was like, okay, well, to survive as a mathematician, you really need to be top, top, top of your game. Otherwise, you're going to end up doing a PhD and then you're going nowhere in your academic career. It's like super competitive. So, um, yeah, so I decided to become an actuary. um, And I started off pensions. Never had any intention to stay in pensions, as everybody in pensions (laughs) does. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Was uh, that enjoyable? Yeah, I mean, so it was much more relaxed. Like, it was a proper nine-to-five job. And, like, our, my boss at the time, he'd been in the industry for, whatever, 30 years. Um, and came five o'clock, he was out the door every single day. And that was good. Like, from a work-life perspective, that was absolutely amazing. My, uh, yeah, it, that, that worked really well. Um, some of the work was kind of a bit, I say, let's say, a bit trivial. Or, like, you, you'd, you'd be... I don't know how much you know about pensions, but um, part of the job in pensions is calculating things called transfer values, which is where like uh, there's a pot of money associated with your pension. Work out how much that's worth. And sometimes I'd be doing a calculation and you'd have to double check things. You have to do everything. And the amount of money would be for like £79. It's like, okay, I've spent yeah. 10 minutes here, whatever, trying to work out something that's worth £79. And so you're like, okay, not really sure I want to do this for the rest of my life. This is kind of... I'm not going to scale up here. I'm not going to fly. Um, so I decided to move up for GI. And, and how did you find that transition? Was that pretty easy transition getting the job to make? Or? Yeah, both, I think. Getting the job. And, and, and obviously, we see that quite a lot. People trying to move from life and pensions. And for some people, it's tricky. 
sometimes it's timing, it's personality. But yeah, also, how did you find actually the, the technical work and, and moving so industries? I think I was, I was lucky, really. So I, I did contact another, I can't remember who, which recruiter I contacted first. And they immediately started trying to pitch me other pensions jobs. And they were saying, ah, no, no, you're not going to be able to move over. Absolutely not going to happen. And then I contacted another recruiter. Um, and I got an interview at Excel, at Catlin back in the days. Um, and basically, that was the only place I interviewed for. Two interviews, got the job. That recruiter called back. I was like, yeah, thanks, mate. Got the job. Go away. I'm just very happy with that. Is this another one where it wasn't us doing the recruitment again? Yeah, it wasn't you for either of these cases. You weren't on the good or the bad side there. But, <laughs> um, and so moved over to Catlin, and it, it's very different there. So compared to the £79 mention I just mentioned before, you're moving over to a place where all the numbers are rounded to the nearest thousand. So nobody cares about anything less than a thousand. Like, um, so that was, that was great. And that was a capital modeling job. So capital models are like, big actuarial toys where um, there's millions of switches, it's huge and there's loads of numbers flying around and that's kind of great to just, just play with, to just see how does this all fit together. Um, was, it, was it a bit like that? Was it, you sound passionate talking about it, was it you were jumping out of bed, learning something new, playing with, with Absolutely. big toys? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So I even said to my boss at one point that, uh, that um, I would just love to come in at the weekend with a couple of guys and just rebuild the whole thing because I just love building stuff and you get frustrated with certain parts where well, this, this works but it's not done in the, like, particularly efficiently or particularly clearly. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's kind of... I guess engineers get passionate about building bridges or whatever. Like from an actuarial standpoint, I think building big models is kind of the thing that I would say gets me passionate about. What was his answer? What? Coming end of the weekend. <laughs> uh, I don't know what he said. I, I, I didn't end up doing that in the end, but <laughs> you went and did Taiki instead. Yeah, something like that. Um, so, so was that then? You were getting in at the early stages, and you really could put your own mark on things. Where? Sorry, uh, Taiki. Yeah, RPC. Um, yeah, I guess so. So. So I wasn't super early at RPC. So you, you interviewed Howard last time and Howard was like super early, although we Shen before then and Co even before that, right? Um, uh, but kind of, I would say midway through the journey for TPS, which is their pricing proposition. And at that point it was great. I was able to come in and sort of, again, it was like, it wasn't a capital model, but it was another big toy with millions of switches, etc. In, in some ways, it was actually significantly larger than a capital model because there's a big database behind the scenes and there's a web front end. Like, there's not many capital models I know, at least, that have got like a web front end to them. So um, that was another really exciting shift where uh, you're thrown in at the deep end. You just have to figure everything out. Lots of things are documented well. Some things are not documented well. You just have to like work your way through. But yeah. And so, so there you've done pensions, you've done capital modeling then into pricing as well. What, what advice would you give to someone who was up and coming in their career? How to make those switches? Because we see a lot of people doing just reserving or just capital and trying to make the move. Do you think, have some good advice? Um, be very good at your job would be kind of the advice i give. If you're a middling actuary and doing your specific role in whatever your department it is, if somebody's gonna take you on in a new position, especially if you're a bit later on in your career, if you're five years plus in your career or whatever, it's a bit of a risk. Um, so I guess kind of excel in your job would be like the obvious thing. Um, do your research and try and move early. I'll probably be the other things. Like 
the, the earlier you move, the easier it is. If you're like 10 years in and you've been doing reserving for 10 years, that's going to be a bit of an ask. Um, yeah. Yeah, cool. Uh, and, and then you went and did your own or set up your own business. Tell us a bit more about your thought process behind that and, and how it's going. Um, so, yeah, so I, I left RPC in, uh, when was it now? October 2020. Um, I think after about 16 months there. And I had a great time at RPC, um, but I decided I wanted to do my own thing. Um, I'd seen that Howard had some success or great success with um, consulting. I thought I'd do my contracting, do my own piece there. Um, and so I set up my company. I figured out within a few months that, oh, actually, there's a scope here. I could, I could expand. I could get some employees on and I could um, build out this as an organization. Because one of the things I'm also passionate about is like training. Okay. I think that um, grads, as I mentioned earlier, have got loads of passion. They're really interested in learning new things. And um, generally, you can find very smart grads. Um, and if you can tap into that energy, train them up, they can be super useful in the actual workplace. I think a lot of the time you find there is an assumption that you take on somebody young, new, passionate, and they'll just figure everything out themselves. And that doesn't, that works out sometimes, but it doesn't always work out. So I think one of the things I'm passionate about is making sure that I do spend the time to train my, 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 uh, my employees up um, in the way of doing things that I like to do things, because there's another side point there in, in that. Uh, People have got all the sorts of practices they want to have, all habits, etc. But if uh, if you're not all on the same page, you can have clashes and you can end up with a hodgepodge of tech that's being built or whatever. Yeah, yeah and I think you're right. The, uh, the 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 energy you get and they're willing to learn, and especially from the from grads and people earlier on in their careers, I think we don't see enough of that, and and people really tapping into that that space um so what what would you say is the most exciting element of your role at the moment and your business um i think coming to a new project and figuring out what's going on you you often actuaries aren't renowned necessarily for their documentation purposes and um coming to a new project you've been thrown a million documents you've thrown a million like I don't know spreadsheets, a million word docs, uh, a new model in God knows what language or whatever, and then it's putting it all together because fundamentally almost all the things we do are pretty simple. It's just addition, multiplication, and division in some convoluted manner, yeah. and it's it's like the levels at which that's been removed from just I'm doing A plus B has gone become this web. So what I love doing is stripping back the web. And saying right, okay, this is exactly what's going on here. That's kind of my the thing I love doing. That's so interesting. I love the way you put that. Uh, you make it sound a lot simpler than I'm sure it is. But everyone we speak to in the market says our data's messy. There's too much. I wish it was laid out better. And then you speak to some of the startups, and they're like, "Well, actually, we've got a fresh go at doing all our data and, and getting it all properly aligned." Yeah. So, so it must be quite exciting when you go in and and even for the people you're working for, having some. Yeah, having it all stripped back a bit. It is. I mean, yeah, it is. I, I think that the startups you mentioned is interesting because they absolutely have a, an advantage there in terms of if you've got a fresh slate, you build things well the first time. A lot of the clients that we've got, um, 
are not startups necessarily. They've got legacy that's been going on for a long time. And it's a lot, it's a lot harder in that space to, to move fast or to move quickly because uh, you've got... You've got to, you've got constraints that you just don't have as a startup. Whatever At LPC, we had we, we could break things effectively, and we could. I, I knew how the database worked. I knew how all that stuff worked. So, if we wanted to build something new, I could just do it. Whereas, if you're at a company, if you've got a product that's live, you can't break anything. You you've got to spend the time, and it can be a significant amount of time to just make even small changes. So, yeah. Well, what do you think makes a good actuarial team? I think having a clear vision and having clear rules like actuaries are not stupid people they're, they're smart people they pay quite a lot and they can think on their own to make a team like work well though they need to cohesively work with with each other and if you don't have um like clear rules of how they should work together you can end up with as i mentioned like a web of of, of stuff Whereas if everybody's on the same page, if there's a clear mandate, this is how we're doing things, there's no argument here. Uh, I think that that can really make teams kind of fly because there's so much time wasted dis discussing, oh, should we do this or should we do that? Um, I think the other side of that is that uh, making sure that what you're doing is valuable to the business. There's no point discussing, oh, should we use a copula that's 1.2 Gumball versus 1.25 or whatever? Literally, who cares? Um, Pick something that's reasonable and get it done. Get it working. I mean, I, I, be pragmatic would be the... Yeah, good answer. I like that. that. How do you see the profession changing and developing? So I see it's... Um, I think it's currently struggling under its own success. Um, they've been so successful at having a clear syllabus and a clear path to becoming an actuary that there's now thousands of kids that end up finish school, finish university, they go down, I'm going to pass these exams, I'm going to become an actuary, I'm going to qualify, I'll be on 100k or whatever. And that like path of here's a very clear stepping stone route to a career doesn't necessarily foster like a lifelong learning, um, which is kind of use, kind of necessary as well for the profession to advance. Because you finish doing 15 exams or whatever it is, you're like, thank God for that. I'm never doing another exam again. I'm just going to stop and I'm just going to do my day job. Whereas the reality is that the world moves on and that you need to keep learning. You need to learn new technologies or whatever. Um, but I think that a lot of actuaries kind of, they've put in so much work already. They've got to where they want to be um, that they might have lost that, that drive at that point. I think the other side of things is that like the profession's got a lot of talent. There's a lot of in, in, like intelligence in in the community, and a lot of people, smart people, trying to do smart things. I think that they're not embracing tech as much as they should be, and that um, they could get significant increases in their productivity if they just spend some time and just learned. I mean, the thing I would always harp on about a SQL, like every actuary should be learning SQL. I know that R is the one that's on the syllabus, but to me, SQL is the backbone of like most big processes that actuaries run. And if everybody was well practiced at SQL, you'd have a lot more, um, a lot better productivity. But. Wow, that's really interesting. Um, and in terms of careers, I'm sure you, you've thought about different careers. If you hadn't been an actuary? I think software developer would be high up on there. 
I don't know. Um, you want to do something that helps the world, I don't know. Software developer or quant? I mean, these, these are things I'm not necessarily qualified for or would be qualified for 10 years ago. I asked someone once who said I'd love to be a... Um, he said I'd love to go into space. Yeah. What, Tesla or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, SpaceX, sorry. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Yeah. So how, how have you seen like data scientists come through and impact the market? Because a while ago, like let's say four or five years ago, Data science was this new big thing, and it was going to be that, oh, they're going to replace all actuaries. How has that played out? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, when my first gyro was at Sorrento a long time ago, and everyone was talking about pricing actuaries and underwriters, basically having the same role, and that's probably 16, 17 years ago. Um, and and it, it's happened a little bit, but but not much. And then I we probably went to gyro five or six years ago, and everyone was saying, what's going to happen to our jobs? The data scientists take over. And it still seems quite separate when we're hiring they they sit closely together but it's separate teams and there was a, a guy who moved to Amlin and he came over from Virgin uh, he'd been at Virgin very successful and he came and worked at Amlin as their chief data officer probably again five years ago and there was so much data in insurance and he was really excited and eventually left because he said the the world of insurance just doesn't move quickly enough to excite him uh, I thought that was quite interesting and so I think we're still waiting for insurance to keep progressing, developing, to really see that influx of of what data scientists can really do in that space. Yeah, fair enough. What, what's your take on it? I think similar. I think that there are significant problems with the data that we have in the insurance industry in general. Like a part of that is that it's not simple. If you've got a policy which has got a bunch of different terms, conditions, etc. Um, and you've got data f which has got random attributes that's been thrown to you, putting that into a nice, neat <laughs> format um, is not the easiest thing to do. And I don't think that anybody's cracked it yet, really. Um, there's a bunch of startups now that have coming through and saying, right, we can just sort out all your data, we can do all this machine learning analysis, etc. I haven't seen it, I haven't seen any evidence that it properly works. I'm sure they're doing a great job, um, but I think until you've got all that sorted, your techniques from data science are kind of limited somewhat. Um, and, and from what you've seen, just to finish with, where do you see the, I guess, the insurance market and the insurance world, where do you see that going over the next two, three, five years? I think it's going to be the same in five years' time. I think, uh, it's a good question. Uh, I think 15 years is a, a, a better time horizon. Things like ChatGPT, at the moment, they're great. You plug it in, yeah. you get an answer back. It can't fix every problem, though. But I reckon that the rate of change that that is going through, in 10 years' time, you'll be able to plug that into Excel, you'll be able to work out all your sheets and everything. That's but really interesting. The, yeah. the, the, side of that, the other side of that is that... Um, it's a new skill. If you can learn to harness that, I mean, I've not had enough time at the moment to go through ChatGPT properly, but I reckon I could improve my work productivity somewhat. Not that I can use it with clients, but I could improve it somewhat if I just learned it and started using it. Like, go back to the SQL point earlier, if you could learn if it's SQL as a skill and use it in your job, you can improve your productivity significantly. Same thing with ChatGPT. Um, I think there'll always be a, a value for actuaries and having trust that these are people that know what they're talking about. 
but um, th- you might end up with one actor being able to do three people's jobs because of these new tools that mean that there's a greater competitiveness within the market. There's a big learning theme, isn't there, with you? Yeah, yeah, what, there is, yeah. What, what are you learning outside of work at the moment? Um, You've got some passions. Oh, yeah, I've got, well, I mean, I say passions. I, I love learning about all things computer science. Um, I've got about 50 books at home that are partially read because it takes so long to go through a single book. Um, I've got, uh, uh, one of the books I'm reading at the moment is called uh, Proofs from the Book. It's not a computer science book. It's a, a maths uh, book, but it's um, basically like absolute perfect proofs of specific facts in maths. Um, and I'm just a big fan of uh, little, do a little bit here every day. I don't think there's too much benefit in cramming or trying to just solve everything straight away. If you, every single day you do something, you'll get there. In a year's time, you'll be amazed at what you've done before that. I was talking about this at the weekend. I uh, saw a stat that if you do 18 minutes of something every day for a year, that's equates, I think, to roughly 100 hours, and you're then 95% better than the rest of the world's population at it. So whether it's yeah. piano, golf, whatever it is. Absolutely. It's quite cool. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Tom. Really enjoyed that. And uh, thank you. nice to hear your thoughts. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Thank you very much, Bob.